Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Srimati back on. Why so soon? Because she is just so wise and we could all use a little Srimati wisdom at all times. So I specifically wanted to have her on to just talk about this idea of, I know so many are kind of really suffering right now financially or you know, in between jobs, not knowing what to do. It's, you know, it's a hard time. This pandemic is, you know, really has a strong and really hard effect on many. And so she, even though now you see this beautiful, wise teacher and ceremonialist and artist and all these incredible things, and you know, her and her husband are so successful, rich role, they went through a nine-year drought. And when I say drought, they both chose to leave their careers that had a steady income to actually pursue their dreams. For her, it was a deeper calling of having to just follow what she was meant to do here about just not receiving money in a certain way anymore and having to pursue her art. And the point is money dried up for them. And it was a nine-year period and the things she had to go through, but what she learned and what she did the whole time is really hold on to the heart. And I know that sounds trite, but when you hear her talk about it, you totally understand what that means. And it is something we all need to be doing at all times in our lives. But especially if you are in a period now where you're really trying to figure out what to do, or you want to switch gears, or you've just been handed your ass to you because that's what's happening now, this isn't a really amazing episode. And just really listen, because I promise this woman went through it. And once again, she has her wisdom to tell you how she got out on the other side. And for her, it's not even getting out on the other side. It's just her kind of reclaiming herself. Um, So anyway, I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. She is powerful. It is powerful. I hope it helps because I know we all need some wisdom right about now. You look great. Oh, thanks, honey. I mean, um, are you doing anything? What's happening? Like you look real. I mean, you always, you looked good last time too, but I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, I've been doing so, I'm in a deep, deep um, sadhana. Uh. Um, and, um, you know, it's so, you know, I, I, I'm a spiritual being, like I'm here for the deep stuff. And I chose a householder's life. And I have played the sort of straddled both worlds for um, my, you know, most of my life and, you know, eaten things and done things to just fit in, just to be able to be alive with my kids or be in the relationship with Rich. Yeah. And it's like, I stepped into this moment, um, actually on the way to Telluride, I stopped at a very dear friend of mine's home in Phoenix with the kids and my astrologer, Charlotte Benson, I've never met her in real person in person. And so they're good friends. And Charlotte came over and she's she's more delightful in person than she is, you know, virtually. She is truly like the a fairy godmother, a Vedic fairy godmother with like mm. five Jewish titles. <laughs> very eccentric and just very original. And we laughed and had such a great time, but as I was walking back from the labyrinth with her, she mentioned, Srimati, you're getting ready to go into your second Saturn return. <laughs> and I and I kind of just stopped, you know, because we all, we, we know that Saturn return is when all the shit, you know, breaks, breaks into another layer of reality. And so I booked a session with her and it was beautiful because it matched. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, manifesting or embodying a big play with Shreemu. And oh. so I've been really off social media. I think the last time I posted on my feed until this snow um, post yesterday. Snow, snow goddess post. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like 
you know, December or something. And again, it's that thing, like I get this feeling that I can't post and it's about conserving your energy for your mission, you know, for what is important. And so I did very little, um, very little posting, but when I had the session with Charlotte, um, everything that I'm activating in my life, it's sort of like a culmination of my entire life now um, happening as we speak, yeah. uh, really matched what my intuition was. And so it's a time of being verified. It's a time of creating a legacy. And Saturn is the most powerful planet in my chart. So, and she reminded me that I have this, um, it's like a merit, it's called past life punya and it's yeah. in mantra. So um, she just reminded me that I have that from past life sitting there for me. So I, she suggested a, a mantra to Saturn and then I went and uh, reached out to my uh, Himalayan monk, uh, Swami Vidya Dishananda, who is the most pure, like, um, sort of transmission of Vedic knowledge that's alive that I know of today. And on his platform, the first uh, tile that pulled up was 12-syllable mantra to Saturn. <laughs> so, and he's very like it's very uh, exact and very precise. Like it's not stuff you find online. It's a specific pronunciation with different different sounds that create a vibration. Um, and so, um, I've been chanting. You asked me what I've been doing. Yeah, so, you- I've been uh, I've been chanting this Saturn mantra and also this uh, 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 this other Victory mantra. Um, but it's, it's a level of sadhana. Um, I'm doing a whole Ayurvedic detox, uh, helping me get to the really deep bone marrow, which is what we have to get to, to, um, release my head trauma, this series of head trauma over, you know, 30 years. And, you know, mine is, is sourcing from a past life, um, but gets uh, activated by a lot of stuff, you know, all kinds of stuff. So I have this big Ayurvedic toolkit that includes like hot oil, basti, a certain kind of eating, um, nausea, um, uh, different meditation, chanting. And so I've been, you know, really um, just uh, in heaven, just so mm-hmm. devoted. A you lot of times it. I'll, thank you. I'll wake up at like two in the morning and just, um, you know, Stop. I have I have a bunch of stuff, you know, Trataka I'm doing and I'm painting and I'm singing. Um, so just a lot of really presence. And I was telling a friend of mine, I have a new, a new ability to embody presence. Like I'm observing how I used to meditate or I might be to the right or the left or above or somewhere else. And my ability to be an instrument of sound and maintain that present um, being is very amplified. Where do you think that shift or when do you think that shift happened? I think it's just my evolution as a being, you know, this time of my life, the fact that I'm in the second Saturn return and you know, I think I can't remember. We talked about last time. I just know we had a wonderful time together. The, um, you know, I, I, I might've spoke of that, you know, I have 22 past lifetimes in Vedic lineage. Um, and yet I'm a rebel. Like I am here embodied to, um, realize sovereign freedom, free of all isms, all lineage, all anything. And so, you know, I'll go through phases where I don't want to get near a Vedic mantra. You know, I'll just be like, no, like I'm going to be in spontaneous movement to like Stevie Wonder. (laughs) But then, but then this came in and what I realized is I think we are all multidimensional beings having a simultaneous experience. And this moment we're grabbing those threads and nothing can be left behind. So be with my awareness in this window and the astrologer pointing it out to me and my life verifying it because it is what I'm in the process of doing right now. I was able to remember that that's a part of me and that I can use it 
It's I developed it. It's there. It's past life punya. It's merit. It's a bank account. So I don't have to be this so absolute. Like I don't have to put myself in a box in any way. I was going to say, it's funny. Sometimes when you're someone who does go against the grain, that can sometimes become its own box. It's like you're so, you, you're so want to make sure that you're not doing anything of the norm that then you could at times, like you're so called to it at this moment and it's clearly working for you in this moment. And it's funny how, but you are clearly a sovereign being. I mean, you like pave your own path. So, but it is interesting how sometimes it feels like, oh yeah, it's okay to go to the tradition or the depths of where I came from. And it's okay to do that. That's part of me being sovereign and having choice. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think again, it goes back to this tendency as human beings that we want to go, well, what's the right mantra? What's the right, right. path? What's the right diet? You know, <laughs> but it's really like we're in this flow. And I guess what I'm speaking to by talking to you about this presence the ability for me to know what to do in the moment is heightened. Ah, you know, like I'll be that. like, for instance, um, I was like, okay, I'll, t I'll pick a repetition of this mantra that I'm doing. So I picked 144 times. So I'm doing 144 times for weeks. And then I look back at my notes and there's a note that says my Saturn operates at 144% in my chart. And I'm Whoa. like, I'm like, there it is. But then I was chanting this other mantra and all of a sudden I'm being shown, you know, eight and I'm, I'm in the middle of my 144, which is 12 rounds, 12 rounds of 12. And then I'm like eight, I have to stop at eight rounds, you know, and then later it correlates to something. So again, understanding that, okay, the world is, in huge transformation and all these, all this noise and stuff is being kicked up. Like we, we, we can't find the truth, right? Like, it's just like, what, what about this? What about that? What about this? I guess what I'm, what I'm banking on <laughs> is that by connecting to your being and embodying all that you are and developing that presence, you're going to be led in the moment exactly where you need to be. I totally agree with that. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like it is a challenge for most people, but, and I, you know, I was just talking about that in class the other day where I'm like, you guys, you really are being, you know, you don't have to be a paid psychic to get the messages. Like you really are getting the messages at all times and you just don't trust them. But it's so often you just get, like you said, whether it's the number, whether it's a this, and it always ends up correlating and making sense after the fact. It's so interesting because you said something that you feel like you're finally, it's your Saturn, second Saturn return, which seems like it's going to be beautiful for you because it you've is. been doing so much work. It's not like you've been fighting stuff. So now it's going to come crashing down on you. No, I mean, and it, you know, it depends. Like Saturn just happens to be awesome for me. Right, that's true. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like, I have all the, I was already there. What, what's fun about it is to get the, ver get it verified when you're already in the process of it. It gives you more fuel yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you could have a third Saturn return. I found out if you live long enough, mm -hmm. um, my death date is before then. Um, if I stick to the plan that path. Laid out. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so fascinating. So anyway, I interrupted. I think. Do you know? No, but now I'm curious. Cause I always want to know. So do you know your exact death date? I do actually. Um, I, do we talk about Chakrapani last time we were here? So Chakrapani, did you ever know about Chakrapani? Mm -mm. Okay, so Chakrapani is like the world-renowned Vedic astrologer who lived it. He's an Indian, was an Indian man who lived in the West. And like when I was early days in yoga, like in West LA, some of the people started going to Chakrapani for readings and they started coming back completely just flattened, just slaughtered <laughs> by the reading because Vedic astrology isn't about telling you how awesome you are. It's about giving you what, what you're dealing with, sort of like the what is what is laid out in the positions of your planet so that then you can um, transform it or you can use it, you know, for your benefit. Um, so Chakrapani, I never met him until the end of his life. And it was maybe now five years ago, I think. 
Uh, and he was still, he was in his late eighties and he lived in like Beverly Hills. So I booked a session with him just because I wanted to, I wanted to sit with him. I didn't really have a question. And we just, we just had a glorious, glorious time, um, you know, both being devotees and just, you know, loving the Vedic lineage. And so he would lay out my chart and he would say to me, you know, your husband is a, a celebrity in a very niche, you know, place uh, using his physical form. And I would say, I know that's true. And he would say, I know it's right here. Like, <laughs> And then, you know, he would say, you know, you don't have a, you do not have a possibility for a good relationship with your father this lifetime. I'm like, that's true. And he's like, I know I'm really at it. So we just kind of laughed. And then I said, um, when, when is my death date? And he said, I'm not, you know, he said he was kidding. Why do you want to know that? I'm not going to tell you like, that's not something they tell you, but I kept asking him questions sort of around the back and teasing him. And I said, no, I really want to know because I want to know for this last stage of my life, what I want to do. And I said, if you tell me I'm dying tomorrow, I'll just go do a ceremony and cancel it. If I, if that's what I want. So I finally sort of tricked him and I was able to look at the, at the chart and go, okay, so would this indicate the body leaving? And he was like, yeah. And I go, and in my chart, would it be about there? And he was like, yes. And I would, I said, and would it be there? And he was like, no, there, you know? So he kind of told me a roundabout, but, um, but it was super liberating for me. Like I felt just um, and also just understanding that any chart can be, um, you know, blown Shifted away and through, yeah, through devotion or will or whatever. It's not, it's not that we're slaves to the chart. And so it may, maybe that by that time that there's enough change in the physical body that I'll want to stay, you know, and do work, or I might just want to peace out and go <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of that, it's interesting of paths. You, uh, One of the reasons we were going to talk again today was about kind of finances and people okay. in this world. But even before we get to that, you know, leading up to there, you were on a very different path in your life until like you, you didn't discover this art. I mean, not even the spiritual side, but this artistic side of you until what, late 20s? Yeah, late 20s. Yeah. I mean, not my spiritual side was always there since I was very young. Right. Middle. Very born. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't do art because my mom really wanted me to do business. And I just, I wasn't in a family or it wasn't a time where, you know, parents like said, Oh, what do you want to do? You know, <laughs> like my first word that I wrote was art. But no. Yeah. In cursive, but, but nobody took it as a, as a sign. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like mama, like written poorly, oh, like everybody else. I mean, I art in cursive. And they were like, wow, that's art. And then it was like, here, don't do art, do business. No. Yeah. So now it's interesting because even in business, you were working in fashion, correct? So like you, you did yeah. like, you kind of steered as artistically within business as you well, could. It seemed and like. that's when I figured it out because I was, I was actually in sales. So I got a degree in international marketing, started out in thinking I wanted to do journalism and then switched to business degree. So I have a BS in marketing um, with like a minor in international marketing in French or something. So then I lived in Paris for a semester during school and then um, came out and got a sales job. And so it was really selling. Um, and then I started working with one of the designers and she knew that I had an eye. And so she'd let me edit her line. And then from there, then I went to design school at FIDM after that. And that was the shocker. Cause then I got into an art class and found out that I could draw. I didn't know until I was there. That's so crazy to me. Like, so when you were a kid, you weren't even like doodling or anything on the side? Nothing. I was in nature a lot. Lot of, lot of hours in nature. It's so interesting. It was like, it was held from you for a reason though, it feels like, because there's so many ways you could have, I feel like even realized it yourself. That's so. Yeah. We didn't have like, we didn't even have like paper and crayons or colors around our house. <laughs> like it was, I don't know why, but we just didn't. I don't know. We had horses. We lived in the mountains. Um, you know, I was the youngest of five kids. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it is interesting. And I mean, I did, I was totally bummed when I was 28 and saw that. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I've wasted 28 years doing the wrong thing, you know? But it seems like when you're that talented, it almost like doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I could feel that feeling of like, I wasted the time, but it's like your talent was so clearly there. It's not like your talent would have been different or. No, there's, and I mean, my talent also is not really based on technique. I don't really, you know, listen, I'm not a great technician in anything, you know, even when I, I was listening actually to my, my album this morning, one of my albums and, and, um, and so enjoying that, that expression and so loving it still, uh, which is really amazing, but I'm not a musician. Like I just get instruments and make sounds and bang on it and find what I like. And then I write songs, but it's all emotional. It's not so mind blowing. It's so weird. Like I remember the first time I had a session musician, it's on mother of mine, which is the second song that wrote me, which is a, it's a, just a beautiful, so gorgeous. I listened to it today as my Shavasana. And there was a cellist named Abby Scoville who came into the studio to play on it. And my producer, Brad, who I was thinking of him, Brad Swanson, he's a dad and lit had a studio nearby. And of all the stuff that has been, you know, being shared about the masculine and how horrible it has behaved to women, you know, I, I was fondly, which is true, but I fondly was thinking of Brad and how he so tenderly held me through all those years of musical development with my sons and, and my kids, such a loving man, so generous and caring and soft. And he was there for all of it. He was for the whole spiritual transformation, like the whole thing. And so I'm glad that I'm talking to you. I, I wanted to like, I was like, I want to do a post about him or I want to do something to recognize just how much he loved me as a, as a musician and I will never, ever forget him. He was actually with us when my boy's dad died mm-hmm. and uh, we were recording Mother of Mine um, and he was there. Like he had met, he had met the boy's father the night before. And then two days later, the boy's dad died. Um, so it was, is a very profound thing. And, and a man who, who really, really loved the music and loved God and loved the goddess. And he was just so, so unbelievably um, caring, really, really cool. But um, anyway, I don't know why I got off on my music, but. No, well, we were talking about just having that artistic talent. You were saying you weren't a technician, but where, but you, where were you in your relationship now when you decided to switch kind of paths? Guys together yet? So before I, I jump, I just remembered. So Abby, so I, so Brad called Abby into the studio and he was trying to, she was doing a take on my song and he was like, you know, Julie, how's that? And I was like, no, that's not it. And then I remember getting on the microphone to her and going, okay, Abby, tortured, tortured, yearning, yearning, you know, shattered, uh, you know, reborn. And she was like, okay, I got it. <laughs> and then she just... No, she just did the take, you know, but that, that was how I explained it. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't in musical terms. It no, I love that. That was cool. So yeah. So how, what is the question? So like, when, when you made this shift in your life, you're like, I'm giving up my regular paying job. I'm going to dedicate mm-hmm. myself to the arts. Were you guys together? Yeah, I was with Rich. So when I met Rich first, he was a lawyer and I was doing interior design and I was, I was doing quite well. I was working as an agent for an Italian company. I was paid in euros, which was phenomenal. I worked with the best, you know, the best fixtures, Buffy kitchens, agape bathrooms, like Minotti, Capellini, like just, you know, incredible Italian, you know, in every way. Um, And then um, we got married, built built this house, had, had our first girl together, Mathis. And we made a short film together. So we made this film. Have you seen our film? No, I need to see it. Oh my this. God, you should see it. Okay, it's on Vimeo and it's called Down Dog. And it's a satire um, on in, about yoga in West LA. And I was dilated four centimeters when we started shooting. It oh was my only God. a three-day shoot. And Rich was just like, if you go into labor, it's going to ruin my film. You know, it's just... <laughs> 
So anyway, it was a really amazing time, 2003, an incredible experience. Um, and then after that, uh, I, I got a, a, like a communication from the greater, the greater universe that I had to sit down and stop doing interior design. And so I went into my client at the time. I was doing like a 10,000 square foot house in Malibu and I quit and the owner was like, okay, no, like you can't quit. And I said, well, I'm not allowed to work anymore for money. I, I, and he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm an artist and I'm not really doing that. And, and I'm not, I'm not able to. And he was like, well, why don't you show me your portfolio? And I said, well, it's kind of a conflict because I'm your interior designer and my art is expensive. And then I'm telling you, you should buy my art. And he goes, well, let me see it. So I left that meeting. He bought $40,000 worth of art from me. Whoa. <laughs> so he bought um, two photographs that were four by 10 feet that were this tree series that I photographed as, as a result of a meditation, actually. And, um, and then he commissioned me to do two um, original 80 by 80 inch commissions of whatever I wanted. It was just like, that's a dream. So I was going to be painting for him for four months. And I went into deep devotion and connected with his greater being and painted and painted and painted. And when I hung them on his wall, I was like, oh my God, like, we don't know what we just did. You know, like at night, my hands were burning. I could see his Akashic records just flushing like a tarot deck through my awareness. And the intention was nothing. Like I was only a vessel. Like I was like his, his greater being channeled through me the highest for him. And he was married and had a child and I was friends with his wife and the, and the daughter, but it wasn't for them. It was for him. And what happened as a result of this process was um, I, I went to pick up like my last check and he was like, how are you doing? And we had started the dismantling. Like, even though I made all that money, you know, I had a nut or whatever, and the, the tower was starting to crumble. It was all going to fall, you know? It crumbles pretty quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, you know, how are you doing? And I said, well, it's pretty tough. Like, I don't have, I didn't have money for food this week. Like, it was, it was some months after, but, and um, he started to cry. And um, he said that my paintings were um, like destroying his ego. They were ripping off pieces of his skin and like showing him who he had been. And he was very successful in money. And so he had played video games in his basement for 10 years because he could. And he said to me, I thought I was smarter and better than others that hadn't made money and he was shattered and luckily is still my friend (laughs) but he emerged from this and became he went back to school and got his master's in education and um he became a, a you know like a very prominent person on the school board in a certain place that's amazing Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, he told me literally sometimes he would tell them like, I can't take it anymore. Like, stop, like, stop. Does he still have them hanging? Doesn't now. He, he transitioned out of them, but he did for (laughs) a long time. So this was probably in 2000, I don't know, 2006, I'll say 2006 or 2007. So yeah, so I learned, and, and again, that's, um, this is another thing that's, that's important. That was interesting was during the time I was also creating this music with my boys. Um, so it was like this ominous communication from the universe. It was like, if you do not stop doing interior design, you will find yourself in litigious karmic problems that you will not be able to get out of. And the one client that I kept started to spiral into that. She like, I gave birth to my fourth. She came over and gave me flowers. And the next day she turned into like, the antichrist. Like, I'm not kidding. She was vibing me when I was like breastfeeding. I mean, and she's a mom, like totally just crazy behavior where before that point, everything I did, she loved. And then after I gave birth to Jaya, it turned the other coin. And so I actually was unable to even interact with her. And Rich had to get out of that. Like he, 
he handled whatever he had to do to like wrap it up. Um, But I had never had that in my entire life with any client ever. So it was a clear communication. It was time for me to sit down. I'd started working since I was 12. um, And I'd always been working and making money and doing this thing. So it was like, okay, sit down. So I told my family that it was because I had four children because I couldn't tell them that I was going through this spiritual reawakening. During that time, I could feel the death of the planet, the shift. Like, of what was when going you say on. you told your family, is that just the kids or? No, no, like- no. I mean my outside family. My inside no. family knew, but yeah, I mean my siblings, my parents, and no. you know, because it's also a very. Um, they were very angry at me. A lot of people were a lot of were very angry at me because I had been the one that hosted all the weddings and the baby showers and took people on vacations and you know, I had played this role and then I stopped playing that role. And what's really curious about human behavior, instead of getting the care that you need, you get arrows slung at you, like on top of what you're going through. I know you'd think it's like, okay, so I can't take care of everyone. So maybe it's someone else's turn and like nobody else is picking up that slack. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Didn't work that way in my case. And that's one of the reasons why in a lot of my podcasts, I say, even if no one else believes in you, I believe in you to find your way into living your best life. How could it be otherwise? You're a divine emanation of God. Because when you are in that moment, whatever it is, if you're an addict, if you're struggling with money, if you're going through a divorce, whatever has you on your knees. And we think as humans that we need to come in and criticize or come in and show the person where they've wronged. But really what we just want to be verified, you know, and given the support. And so it's very powerful to just say, I believe you, I believe in you. You're going to, you're going to rise out of this. And really, if you talk about a Christic vision or being, you know, certain, certain ones of us that are serving this Christ like mission of holding someone in their highest essence, that's the work. It's easy to tear someone down. Mm -hmm. Very, you know, that's like an automatic, you know, like, well, she made that mistake, you know, back then, or I thought she had her shit together, but now look at her, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's easy to do that. It's harder to, to wait, go, wait a second. I'm going to choose to look at your purest essence and to believe in you until you can vibrate up and match that vision. And who do you feel like gave you that during this time? No one. <laughs> God. So you really had to find it yourself. Yeah. It was very, I think that was the most painful part of the whole process of everything that I did. Like it wasn't that it was enough that I was feeling the death of the planet, that I was having my own inner death. Then I was, you know, I was um, championing my husband through his own midlife process. I had a child who was you know, on the spectrum who most people wouldn't have lasted five minutes as her mom. And then I was going through financial collapse. And then I had three other children, you know, as well. So it was like, it was a lot. And I did have, I did, you know, I did have a couple people that did see, they were like, I know the outside doesn't look right, but I know, you know, I know, I know, I know something's going to turn or they're going to have, and we had, like one of our friends dropped off like a golden pouch with $3,000 cash, like right before Christmas once. Um, I had another friend, you know, these, this was a nine year process. So, so that's what I was going to say. Tell, tell the audience a little bit. It was like nine years. Rich also then left his job simultaneously. Right. And I would say that, you know, when, when we say about it, that it was a decision, it wasn't a decision. It was a decision of the higher being. Because no one in their personality would go, I'm, I'm going to now choose to go through financial collapse with four children. That'll be great. You know, it's, it's like I talk about the universal faucet just got turned off. And where in the previous, ep, you know, the previous period, we were able, you know, we were creating, there was business, there was all kinds of stuff going on. Suddenly there was nothing. It was like there was no energy. And it coincided with the birth of my fourth child. And it was a frequency vibration where we were in the middle of a shoot at our house. And all of a sudden the director just picked up everything and they left in the middle of the shoot. And we hardly booked our house during all of those years. All, it was just very, it was, 
we could have sent out thousands of resumes. We were not going to be getting jobs in an old paradigm way. I knew the way through was through the heart, that the heart would not desert. The heart would not, um, not betray us. And so here I was, I was like, what is rich love? Rich loves athletics. You know, he, he became vegan. You know, I just, I championed him to train, even though it made zero sense. So he was training at age 40, not, not really that fast at all, actually (laughs) training. And, you know, who makes money in sports when they're 40? Like, come on. And then I was for, in my 40s, older than he is, 44, 45, making music with my children, recording. We recorded two albums during that nine-year period. And it was the only thing that was working for me. Like, literally, it was, uh, it was just such a gorgeous experience to do that with them. Also, as just a mom, what an amazing experience. It really was. It was like, it was verified. It was like fulfilling before anyone heard a note of it. I mean, these were my songs that came to me in meditation. And so I wanted to sing since I was six years old and then didn't. And my brother's a rock star. You weren't an artist. Yeah. Well, my brother's a rock star. He's played since we, since he was seven years old, 10 hours a day. He's one of the best musicians around and he plays, he was in the Wallflowers. He, he was with Jewel for years, the Wallflowers. Now he's Lucinda Williams' guitar player. Wait, so it's so interesting that he kind of was allowed and could see this path, but you couldn't. Well, I made this decision like, okay, he's, I was like six and I'm like, okay, he's playing guitar. So I'm going to do something different. <laughs> I, oh my God, I did that so much in my family. Like I punished myself out of so many things in hindsight, just because I'm like, nope, that's what they're all doing. I'm not doing it almost just to piss them off. And ultimately I hurt myself. <laughs> so then, but I, I also have to look at my life though and go creating these two records with my boys. There's not much else in my life that compares like I, I even say like that one section of my life, I would have taken a body for that experience because it was just, it was, it was just delicious on oh, every sure. single level. Because if I showed them how to write and inspired them to write their own music, that was a win. If I was up in the middle of the night chanting and suddenly Tyler was next to me strumming you know, at age like seven, eight, nine, I would be, that was just like, are you kidding me? Then, you know, when we started showcasing them, we started playing them in all different ways. And like one time Tyler and I were on the North shore of Hawaii um, and we went into this music store and he grabs an, an ook off the wall and he's like, mom, strum this, put your finger here and strum here. I'm like, okay. And then he gets on the guitar and we asked the owner, can we run one of our songs? And she's like, yeah. So we sing this song called In the Sun and we finish and look up and she's sobbing and you know we we left and the reason the reason the music's so powerful is that it was created in this raw purity that that is that is so authentic you know and you you can't manufacture that you can't create it and it would touch people that way just just slay them open like if if it was the right match you know and I remember we leaving the store and he's carrying his guitar and we just look at each other. He's like, yeah, that was good. I'm like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> I have a question. So if you, like if someone's going through this, I mean, especially now people have just been thrown off their game. A lot of people are in, you know, financial distress trying to figure out during this time for you, this nine year period. And I know for you, these, these words, you're going to be like, no, but just understand so it can communicate for others. Like, did you have a goal in mind or was it just purely, was it, were you totally in a receptive period of just let me see where it takes me and I know I have to honor these talents or did you have, was there something you were kind of striving for? What was happening as far as what you were, were you trying to make something happen? Like what, what was going on for you? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, okay. So what I would like to share with people who may find themselves in, in their own sacred moment which is what I call it, um, is it is a it is such a beautiful opportunity um, to be faced with a dismantling of a financial 
uh, nature or, or really any nature. I, I always say that if you're really blessed, you'll be dismantled at least once in your life. Mm-hmm. But what I would say to you is that um, you are not your credit score and you are not your bank account. And we have been worshiping the wrong, the wrong God. We've been worshiping greed and money, right? And that's who gets revered. And, oh, look at that guy. He's a billionaire. You know, it's like, okay, so none of that stuff you're going to take with you. You're not taking. And this life is short. It's so short. You know, we really just don't live that long. It's like, I can feel my parents in me at this age. It wasn't that long ago. Okay. And now my mom's in her 90s. My dad passed away a few years ago. It's crazy. They're not here. Like, it's not going to be that long. So, In creation, there is only one of you in the entire multiverse. Only one of you exists. If Tal does not access the depths of her heart and sing that with everything that she's got in whatever form that is, then you will never have fully existed because there's not another one of Tal's kind coming in behind you. It's just you. And so because I know that and because I know that every life form is sacred, Um, There are treasures, guidance, nourishment, love waiting for you inside your own heart. And this is inside your own heart, free of isms, free of Buddhism, free of any guru, anyone's idea of what it is, you know, like reading about how life is. Your journey to enlightenment will be unique to you and you alone. And so you have one mission that you have to care for. And that is to find out who you are, find out what it is that brings you joy and play that, do that, be that with every single thing that you are. If you find time to connect to that, like I was connecting to the music, I was in ecstasy. I had so much joy around me. It would somehow magnetize more joy, more beauty. I lost my health insurance. My appliances blew up. I got both cars repossessed. Um, I lived in my house without paying mortgage property or taxes for over, for five years. Five years. I had to live in the, un, in the unknowing. I had to give myself over to the great cosmic mother every morning when I woke up and every night when I went to sleep. I had to find the joy in the little things that going to the Starbucks, making cakes for my kids, um, going to the pawn shop with my older daughter when my younger daughter turned six and we pawn some, you know, some old, you know, I've been married three times. So something like <laughs> some marriage. And we went to, we got, we left with $638. We went to Target and we had groceries and more to spare for, you know, a while. Um, And I, instead of making it a tragedy, I made it an adventure. I made it a, I, and I, you know, the kids would say, mom, what what will happen if the car gets repossessed? I would say nothing. Look at me. I'm here. We're breathing. Nothing. The car goes, we got our cars repossessed. Someone gave us a car like in, you know, a few days, like there's so much, there's so many other ways. I didn't have a bank account for four and a half years. Um, when I, if I, if I was working with you, let's say Tal and I were exchanging money for something like this, we would have this thing. And then afterwards I'd say, Tal, could you please pay me in cash? (laughs) It, It became a very easy conversation. And because I didn't have a lot of shame caught up in all these things, people just paid me in cash. I was just this crazy person. Talk about the shame factor. I think it's huge because it's funny. I remember when my roommate years and years and years ago was buying her first house, like, and so she was nervous. I mean, so nervous. And she just called me so I could talk her through it. And she's just like, but, 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 and I literally just was like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I was like, just go down the path. Let's think about it. the worst that can happen is you lose your job. You can't make the payments. You end up going bankrupt. You have to file bankruptcy. You lose a house and you totally readjust your life. That's it. And she was like, well, I'm like, but you're fine. You're going to be totally fine because you'll figure it out and it's okay. So you don't have the house anymore. Who cares? Like that was the thing. Cause she was so worried about like making the payments. And she goes, it's so weird for as like depressing as that is, you actually just made me feel better. <laughs> but I was like, if you don't have shame in that, then, then you'll have more confidence in doing this because what it, there is no shame in that. I was like, 
do, you know, don't, I was trying to tell her like, don't freak out about the idea of it going wrong. And if it goes wrong, you'll be fine too. You'll find your way to stand through it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think again, it's this, we, we have our priorities turned around, you know, it's like, you know, I could die later today and you know when that is and it's not today. It's not today, but I could. And then it would be like, you know, I might, there might be like a couple days of some people posting then you're just like, it's just done. Like, it's not, it's not like, it's not like these things in the physical world are so important. They're actually not. And it's like, we're here for evolution. And if we're not here to delude ourselves with a false sense of security, like I can tell you this, you can financial plan yourself to the to the T's. It doesn't matter. You just have it like awesome. And the universe will show up in another way if you're not connecting with your being. So you'll experience death, loss, divorce, health. You know, it doesn't only come in. It just for me, you know, I was actually on a greater level. I was dismantling this patriarchal system, really freeing a lot of aspects of the masculine that had been brutalized by the system. I mean, think of how many beautiful beings are artists or musicians or poets or lovers or whatever and they end up like selling insurance and they they're just dying a slow death because it breaks my heart thinking about that but there's a lot and and you know you can't blame them because you know living in this world is brutal without money so i guess what i would say is um uh, you know examine why it is that people like Donald Trump or people like any business, you know, person can file bankruptcy multiple times as a strategic move and be completely clean of any shame. And then you have the well-meaning, honest, loving person who has worked really hard their whole life to pay their bills. And, you know, they really thought they could have a slice of the, the dream. They tried to play the game. You know, they got in trouble and they have to file bankruptcy and people kill themselves over that because they put so much. We've been we've been hypnotized in the wrong way. And so I used to tell people, I'm not a deadbeat. I'm in my sacred moment. What did people do with that, though? That's I mean, I get it and I love it, but I'm sure people are crazy person. But now that I'm realized they think I'm a genius, you know, of course, you know, they're you know, they're like, I think I made an impact on a lot of people. I think they saw what I went through. I mean, I have a really dear friend of mine, Stu Bone. He's like very, um, very, very successful in commercial real estate. And he was, we met on Twitter, funny enough, and he came and parked his Airstream at our house for a while. And he admitted to me, you know, he had some moments, like he was super judgmental. And he was like, I know how these things go. And I know what's going to happen with the house. And he basically wrote me a note and told me that I, I demonstrated to him the um, properties of quantum physics. Wow. So, you know, it's that holding that you got to hold the vision. Okay. You have to understand you can't be a spiritual warrior and be, and serve the greed, God, money, deity. You just can't. Talk about like the quantum physics of it all. Talk about what you feel like. If I remember, we touched on this a little bit in the last episode that you were at the end, like the end, the last shot. So talk about that a little bit, because I feel like, and I love it. You were, you weren't like, okay, this is how we're going to solve it again in the masculine way. You went completely into the heart. Total devotion, total devotion. Um, And it's funny because Swami would even say, he's like, you know, your financial collapse, he said, you took it as a spiritual challenge. He was like, that's all it was for you. Spiritual challenge. That's it. And when you think of that life as a game, it really is a game. Like I even, I even designed a game. I made a game about this process. I haven't produced it yet, but it exists. It makes sense. So yeah. And it's called the game of Jai, the game of victory, basically. And so it's like, what do you do? It's like, It's like, we can't control what happens to us, but we can control who we are in the face of what happens to us. So for instance, when the guy came to repossess my car and Rich started to lose his shit, I just looked at Rich and was like, do not you move, do not move off of center. I can't handle your emotional imbalance and this, you stay neutral. Then I go out to the guy and I'm just like, hey, what's your name? (laughs) Then where do you live? Like, do you have kids? 
Do you want a cup of tea? You know, I just, I was like, he's not going to take my humanity from me because he's taking my car, you know? And then I was like, do you have some documents? He's like, no. And, and I'm like, well, and he's like laughing at me. He's like, well, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Here's the keys. So it, it was just like, again, and what I realized through these experiences is your resistance to what's happening creates the constriction that makes it last longer. That's huge. Say that again, because that's huge. Right. So when you're in your sacred moment, your life might be blowing up around you. Like literally, Rich would call me, babe, the car's on fire. Like this stuff was happening. Like my radio exploded in my car. The window blew out of my bedroom window with nothing touching it. Like I'm telling you. So I was just like, okay, this stuff is happening. And what is not useful is the emotional trauma. So I don't, I didn't want to go on the high, high, low, low, high, high, low, low on this process. So I committed to neutrality to the stance of a warrior. If we think of Star Wars, the Jedi, is the Jedi losing their shit and screaming and flailing around on the floor? No, they are not. There is, they're being shot out. There are vipers, there are aliens, and they are in neutral, but they are ready. They are aware they are there. So I always talk about Jediing it. And it's like, what I started to do is reduce my time that I was in emotional response to whatever explosion. And I got it down to nothing. Wow. So it would be like, he'd like be like, babe, the car's on fire. I'd be like, okay, car's on fire. No reaction, none. And what would happen is I was like, oh, this keeps coming to me because I haven't digested it yet. So as I digest it and I transmute it into no thing, it'll keep showing up to give me that experience. And so where I am now, and yet you talk about it. Yeah, we were at the end many times. Like I broke down crying in Starbucks. We tried to do a reality show, which thank God no one picked it up. They they would look at it. They were like, yeah, you guys are actually really cool. Like, no, you can't do this, you know. Uh, But we were that desperate. Like we were trying to find any way we could feed our family. And I had gone for four years without paying my mortgage, property taxes, or insurance. Now, mind you, I have a huge karmic connection to this land and this house, and it is used for spiritual work. So I also, it is a temple to me. It's a living temple that I do ceremony to. So I knew it's part of my life mission to be her guardian I do not own this land. I am a guardian of her. And in, she has multidimensional aspects to her. So my human was screaming at my greater being, like, how can this be happening? How many years do you want me to really give it all up to you? You know, and then I got the notice that it was going, it was in foreclosure. So oh. I told Rich and the kids, I'm at the end of my bag of tricks. Like, I literally don't know what else I can do. I was avoiding this and now it was on the auction block and I said, we're going to lose the house because I don't know what else I can do. And it was that moment, Saul Ray calls me and he's like, Srimati, I want to hire you to cook at my Thai massage retreat in, in Santa Barbara. He's like, I can pay you like three grand. It's like, it's a lot, but I, you know, and I said, okay, I'll take it. And I looked at Rich and I said, I said, listen to what I'm saying. We will not be moved from this house without an opportunity. It is an impossibility. We will, uh, everything that we've done, everything that we are, we will not. And I leave and drive to Santa Barbara. I was shattered. I was like, I don't, I don't trust myself. All my feelings have got wrong. Like, what did I believe in? Like all these things, right? That's hard. So hard. (laughs) I went to Saul's. He came shopping with me to help me buy the stuff. Such a love. And, um, and I was like, okay, I don't know a fucking thing. I'm just going to cook with everything I've got. So, and you know, I'm a, I'm a multi-creative. So I'm always doing like many things at once, but for this weekend, I just cooked. So Saul comes in, he's like, Monty, what are you doing? He's like, my students don't want to come to the retreat. They want to be with you in the kitchen. They just want to hang out with you. What happened is I was so devoted and so present, which is what we started talking with. I was so present in my being 
that I was feeding men cheesecake and they were crying when they ate it. And it gives me goosebumps. This is, this is the goddess. This is the cosmic mother that can embody us when we are that devoted. And at the end of the weekend, you know, Saul said, invite Rich and the kids up for dinner to join us the last night. So Rich arrives, he comes in and he's like, babe, did you see your email? I go, no. He goes, check your email. And I go to check my email. And there was an email from Chris Jabe. Chris Jabe is an individual that made $20 million uh, in the first online sports thing with Mark Cuban. I had sent Chris Jabe an email two years prior because he bought common ground on the North shore of Kauai. And that is a sacred portal for me. I've had like eight multidimensional experiences on that point. Like it's in, and I've been taken there on somebody else. Someone else has called me and taken me there six of the eight times that I've been there. So he said, I read some of Rich's book. I want to talk to you about the below email. And so within 10 days, Chris J was sitting in our living room with all of the kids. We had a meeting around the table and he hired us to go to Kauai to develop food. It was the first gig that we got. He paid Rich, Rich a fee, me a fee. We, uh, we said, you got to take all of us. We have to have a music rehearsal space. He took us over to the North Shore. We lived in three 30-foot yurts for three months. And that's where I created all the recipes for the Plant Power Way. The first I've got so many chills. It's crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. And that day that he left... There was a rainbow over my house and we live in Calabasas and there's only been three times that there's been a rainbow over the house. And that was, that's when the devas are really speaking to me. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Um, And that's where the ritual podcast was created on Kauai. And was that, do you feel like that moment the energy had really, or not even released, came back because you said you felt like there was a dearth of energy, like nothing you guys could have done would have changed it. Do you feel like the gates kind of opened at that point? They did. I mean, it was it was still a journey. You know that that was at the end of 2012, and I really need to write about this. Um, yes. So I, what I'd say is it was the end of 2012, and I had begun this um, court proceeding in bankruptcy, which is quite an amazing story. Um, that I went through. Um, and we didn't, we actually didn't have resolution for the house until a year after that. So I had received the foreclosure notice on July 18th, 2012. And on July 18th, 2013, the exact day we received the modification and I won my five-year journey. Oh my God. And when I got that call, I just, I literally fell to my knees. Did you just start five years? Did everything like just open up in you? I mean, I, it's like, and rich was like, he was like, babe, he was like, this is yours. Like no one, even him, like no one believed me. Like no one believed that. How, and I know you have to go, but how are you like, did it make you guys closer? Do you feel like that's like a, a foundation of you guys now that is just deeper? Was it, I couldn't imagine it was probably really hard. Like how as a couple do you go? No, for us, this, this alchemical process of our sacred moment, it drew us closer together because I wasn't, I wasn't looking for him to stop it or get a job or it it was, it was beyond that. This was at a soul level. This was something we had to go through. Yeah. And what I could say now just to finish on is um, it has given me a freedom. I am free of money. There is no fear of money that exists inside of me. And that is is a power. You know, it's like I'm negotiating millions of dollars right now for Srinu. And there's no hook. There's There's no hook because I know that money is just a frequency that we will work through, whatever. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I love expensive fashion and I'll have exactly what I want. I'm not a renunciate. But it but it's just um, it doesn't own me. It it is not not my master. So sacred moment is is a devotional opportunity to embody the truth of who you are. And you are so much more than, you know. 
so certainly so much more than a bank account. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with you. I love you. I, I swear I could talk to you for hours. Thank you, love. I'll talk to you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks podcast, and join us there.